It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, writer for SI.com. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Met show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Both that show and this show are both found on the Odyssey app as well as all other major podcast platforms. We thank you for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your very first listen of the day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're also on Twitter at WrestleMania621, at DHarrison82, and at Pod. The Washington football team finishing the first half of their schedule. We'll call it half of the schedule because there's really no clean half of the schedule, I suppose halftime of uh, their week 10 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will technically officially be halfway through uh, the regular season, but finish up this first stretch, Chris, we've got a bye week coming up in week nine. Uh, the team's going to be off. We're going to be on a little bit of an abbreviated schedule. And I think everybody kind of needs it just a little bit, including the fan base. I think the fan base could use a week of whether you watch football or you go out and do something, I don't know, go, go see some more of the DMV or something before weather uh, really starts kind of turn for the worst. Whatever you need to do, the Washington football team is going to be entering the bye week two and six after losing to the Denver Broncos in the Mile High City in Colorado, 17 to 10 on Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon of week eight. Chris, um, a lot to talk about here. We've already kind of talked a little bit about it during or off the air, which is why we had to hurry up and hit record because we don't want to give all the good stuff <laughs> out without uh, without the microphones being hot. So uh, give us your first thought. We kind of call it, kind of call it the first take. This show's not called first take. No copyright <laughs> infringement there. Uh, nothing how about like cold that. What is how your... about cold pizza? Can we call cold it that? Pizza. <laughs> we'll call it cold pizza. What's your first thought <laughs> following this latest Washington football team defeat? Uh, I could go for some hot pizza right now. Never mind cold pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, David, this was two bad, bad, bad teams battling it out in a steel cage death match. Mm. And the Denver Broncos were left gashed wide open and like writhing around on the on the mat for to use a wrestling term. Mm. And the Washington football team was not only gashed open uh, and, and bleeding all over the place, uh, but they were kicked off the mat, basically, and onto the you know, the ringside floor, if you will, or into a further depth uh, and pit of, of, of danger and, and doom. Uh, sorry to be so like, you know, but that's what that's watching true. this game was yeah. like on Halloween. It was not a treat. It was, I mean, I'd like to call it a trick, but I don't really think it was a trick. I think it's two bad offensive teams uh, that, you know, played well, reasonably well defensively in, in, in for the most part on either side because the offenses are so bad and so beat up. Um, so quite honestly, I don't think like a 17-10 game was a great defensive battle between two tremendous defensive teams. No, it was none of that. It was a 
who was going to make the least amount of mistakes, who was going to screw up as, you know, one slightly less time than the other. And that turned out to be, as usual, the Washington football team uh, with the final score, 17 to 10. I, I, you know, look, we can start at the end if you want. We can start all the way at the beginning on the first drive. I know something that drives you nuts is Ron Rivera going for it on fourth down. They did that mm-hmm. on the very first drive. Obviously, there were some other fourth down attempts that were kind of forced by the game's design and flow. No. Uh, two blocked kicks on Chris Blewett. That cannot happen. Even though he made a 52-yarder, there's a lot to pick from here, David. I don't know if you want to no. start at the end or the beginning, but I'll let you kind of take the ball and run. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end, you know, I like what you said there with, you know, the 17-10 score. And uh, it actually it kind of started off earlier in the game. I heard the broadcast team uh, kind of say, you know, a defensive battle here in Denver and, you know, look, these guys are on television. They got to keep people interested as much as possible, try to keep the viewers tuned in. And I got in there, you know, multiple times, like, we got a great one on our hands. And no, it wasn't a great game. It was two very bad teams, like you said. I mean, the Denver Broncos come out of this thing four and four, uh, amazingly. So they're 500 on the season right now, which is uh, amazing looking at this team and talking uh, to to Cody and and the guys over the Locked On Broncos podcast. Like, that's pretty much the sentiment uh, that they echoed is that it's amazing that this team is even – uh, in the position they are. I mean, at one point in time, they were, they, they were, in, I think they were three, and zero, and then they had a four game losing streak that they just ended uh, against the Washington football team, which ironically now extends their losing streak uh, to four games. So this wasn't a defensive battle. It wasn't an offensive battle. It was a struggle. It was, it was a struggle from both teams. And it wasn't honestly even a struggle that either team put on the other like this. I think from, again, from talking to the lockdown Broncos guys, this is pretty much the Denver Broncos team that they've been seeing and that they expected to see in this contest. And then, I mean, watching the Washington football team, the way that we have, and the way that these fans have, this is pretty much the Washington football team that we have seen all season as well. So really it's just two teams struggling within themselves, let not so much the other team putting any pressure on them or putting them in a position to cause any of these struggles. And I think that what it shows is you have two teams here. And obviously we want to focus on the one, the, the Washington football team that they don't know who they are. And, you know, the defense, again, is, is I think, is getting better up front. The, this wasn't exactly uh, a banner game for the, for the defense, really, as a whole, but and even up front. But definitely a better game up front, closer to the line of scrimmage than, uh, you know, back you know, in the, further in the secondary, giving up 213 yards to, to Teddy Bridgewater on 19 and 26 for passing. But I don't think more, more so on offense that we're going to dive deeper into the offense. I'm not going to get too deep into it. I do want to touch on the fourth down thing the offense has no clue who they are and I'm not even like necessarily blaming anybody for that. We've done a lot of like Taylor Heineke can't do this. Scott Turner needs to do that. But I think this is a situation where they don't know what they're good at. Like they can move the ball. We've talked about that. They can, they can do all those things, but where it really matters in between the thirties, like it's, it's, it takes, I don't call it a miracle, but it takes a lot of effort, Chris, for this offense to get out of their own end. Like from the deeper they are into their own end inside their own 30, the harder it is for, for them to move out. We saw them uh, face those situations a couple times and it just, it's, it's like they're stuck in mud sometimes and then vice versa. And then on the, on the alternate side, when they get inside the opponent's 30, it's like they just get lost and they, and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to handle the situation. And, and I get, I get the feeling that they're trying so hard not to have a red zone turnover on either side of the field that they're essentially handcuffing themselves from also having opportunities to get plays and especially explosive plays and junk plays. Uh, I mean, they, they had, I think my total count uh, was, was four and I usually go through 
uh, and recount. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but I think I, from last time I remember four explosive plays today for their on Sunday for the Washington football mm-hmm. team. Uh, and for those who don't know, 20 yards or more is, is an explosive play. Two of those came on the touchdown drive. So right. the rest of the game, you're only looking at two explosives. Again, I haven't recounted, so don't, you know, don't, don't hold me to that right now, but just not enough, right? Coming from you have to, it's an offensive league. It's designed to have explosive plays. That's what brings the fans into the stadiums. That's what the NFL wants. And you're not finding them. You're not executing them. So just, they got to find their identity. And I will say that I'm seeing Scott Turner doing some different things. Like today, he took more shots as they got closer to the red zone instead of waiting to get into the red zone and then trying to finesse their way into the end zone. So, or the red zone, then trying to get in, finesse their way into the end zone. So, I appreciate that because what that shows me is you have an offense coordinator who's like, all right, look, last week, even the week before, we get into the red zone and we bog down. So maybe we need to take threes. Maybe we need to Steph Curry this thing. Maybe let's from the 18, the 17, the 22, let's try to get it in from there. Mm-hmm. And I know some fans are like, why are we throwing deep balls? You know, and that's why your your offensive coordinator is trying to find out what do we do well down here so that we can now leverage that and turn that into a focal point of our game plan. And I don't think they figured it out yet. Yeah, I, there was one play that's, that stood out in my mind that I think was a third and six. And I want to say it came from around the 27, 28-yard line, David. And it was a long incomplete into the end zone, the front pin corner of the end zone to, um, from Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin. And it was well covered. And some people were like, why are they going deep? Why are they taking deep shots? Well, if they threw one underneath or a screen underneath, uh, and they didn't make the first down, people would be screaming that they threw it underneath and that they tried to make a play short of the sticks and didn't get that. So it's like one way or the other, right? It, it yet yeah, Yes, play calling and play design certainly helps everybody and can be a factor. But execution ultimately is what really matters. And the, the reason why that sequence and I'm bringing that up kind of strikes in my mind is on the play before that there was a tunnel screen to the right called for Terry McLaurin. And it's a play that's designed to get a quick throw, quick release catch on the run coming down towards the quarterback from the wide receiver position and to hit the guy in space. And Taylor had a terrible throw on a tunnel screen. And and I mean, you just, Like, it was open, it was there, and if Terry catches it, I think it goes for 10, 15, 20, somewhere in that range, maybe even longer, I don't know. But the bottom line is, is he couldn't execute that. Well, that leaves you in a situation where, you know, on third and six from the 27 or 28-yard line or whatever it is, where you have to take a deep shot because – you can't even execute the underneath stuff consistently. So, I mean, it's all part and parcel with the problem uh, with this football team. And obviously um, they are still trying very much to figure themselves out as Ron Rivera said uh, at the bye, they are two and six losers, 17, 10 in Denver uh, off until two Sundays from now against the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who lost in New Orleans on Sunday. Guys, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live and another that lets you stream your favorite shows while you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff, huh? Well, I want you to know about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. David and I would like to tell you about Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites 
like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, well, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion and get your TV together. It's all with direct stream, direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen of the day. And every day we are free and available on all platforms. You know, we've got you covered on all things WFT, but with the trade deadline right around the corner, Tuesday afternoon, don't miss our live NFL trade deadline show reaction, every move plus a second half preview and much more. Catch the show live from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, November the 2nd on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. And David, back with uh, you uh, and everyone here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Again, Washington now two and six on the bye, 17 10 losers in Denver on late Sunday afternoon. Why don't we hit the voicemail line and hear from our pal Hogskins? What up, fellas? This is Hogskins back again after another disappointing uh, defeat. Uh, anyway, um, man, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to say, man. One thing I am mad that McCain missed that uh, should have been an interception. Um, I don't know what quarter that was in, second quarter, first, whatever. He had an interception right in his hands and dropped it. But uh, I, th- I would say, to man, the thing that made me the most mad was the final drive. I think they were inside the 10-yard line. I don't know why Scott Turner did not, like, come up with a design run play with Heineke. I just knew they were going to do that, man. I'm like, all right. They're, you know, they're inside the tell They're maybe on the eight or nine yard line. They're right there. I think every down he tried to throw the ball. Now, one time it was, you know, Heineke like tried to take off and run. And, and like I said in my other voicemail, man, that, that's what I don't like. You know, I don't like Scott Turner, man. I, I just, that, that definitely should have been a, been a, uh, a touchdown on that final drive when they were inside the 10. I mean, I just cannot believe Turner didn't say, all right, Heineke. Just drop back and just run the ball. Like, come on, dude. I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy, man. Anyway, it is very frustrating. And yeah, I never, I never thought they was going to win this game anyway. Like, uh, on the podcast, I think Friday's podcast, you know, Russ, you know, he, I think he picked the, the, uh, the Broncos win was it 30 to 27, whatever the score was. But, you know, I, I agree with Russ. When I was, when I listened to that podcast, I'm like, man, I agree with Russ. I'm like, I don't see, us winning this game. <laughs> I just didn't see it. And we were both right. So anyway, fellas, uh, I'll let you guys go. Uh, talk to you after the next game. All right, man, y'all take it easy. All right, Hogskins, thank you so much as always. And actually, uh, I, I think if, uh, if 
I my memory bad, which is bad, serves correctly. It was twenty to seventeen was my prediction, uh, Broncos. But you're right, I did have them winning that game by a field goal. I just had it lower scoring. So I mean, it turns out seventeen ten, uh, David. But uh, what one thing, and, and then I'll let you have your crack uh, at what Hogskins had to say. Going back to that first early sequence in the game, right? Washington doesn't allow a touchdown. They don't even allow a field goal. As a matter of fact, they're nothing, nothing at the end of one quarter, which I don't know. I took as a moral victory because they've been terrible in the first quarters and terrible on yeah. first drives all year. But that Bobby McCain dropped interception that Hodgkins was talking about on that mm-hmm. first Denver drive and they got away with it. And that was right in the middle of the numbers. They also got away with a Montez Sweat neutral zone infraction. Go figure. Montrez Sweat uh, with a neutral zone infraction. That hasn't happened before uh, this year. And part of it was because James Smith-Williams came up with a big sack. So there was a lot going on early in this football game, in addition to Washington failing on fourth and two on their first drive, which, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming uh, partly drove you crazy. Um, you, you know, but, but Bobby McCain's got to come up with that you know like yeah. like we we haven't really talked about landing Collins yet I we're going to talk about him coming up so I'm trying to save that but mm-hmm. Bobby McCain's got to make some more plays he's got a big mouth he likes to talk he likes to crush the media well make a play make a play hey, you had the opportunity yep no exactly and and yeah first drive I mean look I tweeted out from the Locked on Watch Football Team podcast Twitter page that uh, you know, that was the first opening drive from an opponent that resulted in a punt all season for the Washington football team, which was both sad and sad. It's sad <laughs> because it took till week eight for it to happen. And it's sad because it should have been the second first drive of the season that ended in a takeaway because Bobby McCain should have brought in that interception. So go figure this defense finally forces a punt on an opponent's first drive of the game. And it's because they dropped an interception. Like, like it's just that's the, like the you know Ron Rivera talked about there's a cloud over this team this 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 team is cursed right now like and I don't know what it is it's not the Dustin Hopkins curse because it's been happening uh since before maybe it's the Alex Smith curse Chris I don't know maybe 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 Alex left a dirty sock or something in the locker room when he left and they haven't found it yet um whatever it is they're just like even when there's a good you know you force the first a punt for the first time on the first opposing drive it's because of something bad that happened so I I, I don't know but yeah Bobby McCain I mean look you know Players have have been dogging the media and media have been dogging players and fans have been dogging both since the creation of sports and the creation of journalism. And, and I get all that. But at the end of the day, there are still things like not for nothing. But, uh, you know, Jack Del Rio can sit there and say he doesn't care about social media experts. But a lot of the social media experts talk about Landon Collins being better in the box than he was as a deep yeah. safety. And look what's happening. So, I mean, not saying that coaches should be scouring Twitter for coaching tips. But I'm just saying not everything that we or other people say is coming from a place of just total uh, lack of knowledge. As far as Scott Turner's lack of creativity, I've I've been beating that drum, Chris. We've been beating that drum on this show uh, more so me, I think, than you. Yeah. But I think honestly, you know what it what it what it tells me is it tells me less that Scott Turner is just a stubborn coach who wants it his way and, and no way and all that. That it tells me that they don't think Taylor Heineke is a quarterback of the future. Why are you going to craft a scheme for a quarterback that's not your future? You're not going to design a playbook, a way of playing a game plan uh, necessarily for the quarterback that is not your future. You want your guys playing in the scheme. They're going to play in long term, which is more of a Ryan Fitzpatrick type scheme, a quarterback that is comfortable in the pocket, uh, comfortable making tough decisions, releasing the ball with a somewhat of a strong arm and also has the ability to escape if he needs to. So that's why you don't have any design runs and not a lot of design pass plays to move the pocket. I don't like it. I'd rather see Scott Turner 
you know, dance with the devil, you know, you got, you have Taylor Heineke right now, do some things that are going to help your young and experienced quarterback. Mark Solaris said it during the broadcast, but I'm not Scott Turner, but I don't think it's necessarily Scott Turner just saying, no, this is the Scott Turner method. We're doing it this way or no way. Even if I get fired, I think he's just saying, I'm not changing everything that we're doing as a total offense for a guy who's temporary. And I, and I really think that's what it is, uh, which is going to lead me to really my, my first and last out on the offense on this one, because we've already talked quite a bit about the offense. And I do want to get to the defense that fourth down. Listen, the, the reason I've been so hard on these fourth down decisions is because you don't know that Chris blew is going to blow every kick or the majority of every kick. Listen, now we know it. <laughs> <laughs> like later on in the game, I was like, all right, you should probably go for it on this fourth down. You should probably, you know what I mean? Like I, right. as the game went on, I got on board. I'm like, yeah, okay. Now you should be, but well, what I don't like is jumping to the dark to, side. Huh? Yes. Now, now I'm good with come it. Over. <laughs> Listen, I was good with it with Dustin Hopkins. It was like, yeah, yeah, you don't have reason to have confidence, but with Chris Blewett, if he's going to be on the team and he's going to be active, give him the opportunity to go do his job before you just assume he's not going to do it. Well, well, they did kind of, I mean, I didn't like the first one. You're right. But then they gave him the second one. Then they gave him the third, which he made. Then they gave him another one. And after that one, I'm like, all right, dude, like three out of five, come on, bro. Like you got to help me. Like I'm out here defending you on the microphone. You got to help me here. So <laughs> Chris doesn't want to help me. I'm not going to help well, him anymore. No, I'm good with it. But they need to have, they need to continue working to get this fixed. Like if Chris blew is still the kicker on this team in week 10, why have a kicker active? If you're not going to use them, if you're not going to use them, fine. But make Jay Stoneburner active for the first time. Well, so he, so here's a little bit of the problem though. Like, right, you you saw the talent in Chris Blewett that they saw with the 52 yard make, right? I mean, yeah, that that's an yeah. impressive kick, even with the higher elevation where the ball does obviously travel further when he makes that. It, it's it's the operation. Like Ron said, one was too low, and I think we that was the first one that was too low, and the second one, Ron said, uh, without saying the second one, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what he was talking about. He said it was the operation, because if you look, the snap was a little bit low, and it almost looked like Tressway kind of struggled to get it right, and I want to take another look at it, but that's what mm. I saw on, on one replay and live. Uh, so, this is not all on Chris Blewett. A blocked right. field goal or three is not all on Chris Blewett. But the problem is, is, you know, that's part of the operation. You can't have three blocked field goals in two games on a team with very, very, very little margin for error. And going back to the Hopkins decision, as I'm fighting with fans on Twitter during the game and <laughs> after the game, I had no problem with them letting go of Dustin Hopkins. I understood the reason why they did it. I looked at it as two separate decisions. I did have a pr major problem, and we discussed this all that week. And certainly I did on, on the radio show, and I know you wrote about it. I did have a major problem with who they replaced Dustin Hopkins with. You, I Correct. can separate two separate decisions, and yes. I still have a major problem with it. Not to say right. that a veteran kicker would absolutely not miss kicks. I can't say that. Certainly those guys are hard to find, David. But mm -hmm. I would tell you this, I don't think they would get three blocks. And I and and two of the three blocks are definitely on Blewett in terms of the trajectory and not getting right. it off uh, the ground with launch angle or jump, if you will. Uh, and I talked to somebody who knows um, place kicking, let's just say it, and they 
you know, they agree with me based on the video yeah. that they've seen uh, early right. on. So, I mean, I guess some opinions and some analysis uh, can change, but the bottom line, uh, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Ron has a whole lot of confidence in that operation. I don't know if they have a whole lot of comp- confidence in their overall offensive operation, but I think they have more confidence in their overall operation uh, than they do their special teams operation uh, at, at this point. Obviously, they could make a change. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens here. Uh, but the bottom line is, is there's just too little margin for error. And, and, and one thing that I'll just real quickly st- stick in here. Um, the, the other thing that we can't lose track of, you know, um, the, the fourth downs and, and, the, and the block kicks, all a big part of it. Taylor Heineke cannot take the sacks that he took late in this football game. Uh, on the two last drives Absolutely. and right before halftime. So obviously when they're in, you know, a no huddle or a fast paced offense, clock expiring game on the line, that type of thing. He took three terrible, terrible sacks, terrible sacks. You cannot make those kind of mistakes. I don't care if Sadiq Charles stinks or not. I don't care if four fifths of your offensive line is missing. Your clock has to be faster than it was for Taylor Heineke, especially in these big moments in this game. 100%. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, last thing I'm going to say is Dan Bailey is a free agent. So there you go. How about that? Why don't we find out if Dan Bailey likes built bars? Because if he likes built bar, then he can get a great tasting protein bar and maybe he can kick a field goal. How about that? I mean, that's what, if that's what we need to do, I think we would volunteer uh, to buy all the built bars in all the land. And I think Washington football team nation would join us so that we could get a place kicker that can actually get one off the ground. If you haven't tried a built bar by now, you are missing out guys. They say it's protein bar, but it's not really a protein bar in terms of taste. Soft, easy to chew, 100% covered in chocolate. It's not waxy, not hard to uh, get down the old trope. Nope. They are wonderful tasting, low calorie, low carb, low fat, low sugar, high in protein. So many delicious flavors. I love peanut butter brownie. David loves uh, the mint brownie. Uh, You might like Coconut almonds, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry barcia, whatever you want. And this month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So go and check out Built.com right now to see what they've got cooking as we get into November. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Sports are back all the way back. Baseball World Series is going on as we speak. Maybe over as you're listening to this, though, depending on what uh, the Atlanta Braves do with this 4 nothing top of the second lead that they've got right now. Uh, but basketball is back. Football is obviously ongoing. There's all kinds of stuff happening every day, every week, every month. And betonline.ag has a new web interface, and they are the number one spot for all your basketball, football, all your betting action right now. If you haven't already, please head over to the website, sign up today, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. Again, that promo code locked on will get you your 50% bonus on that first deposit, whether you're looking for basketball, football, baseball, hockey, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, whatever it is, don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Wrapping up this episode of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. Watch football team falling, unfortunately, 17-10 to 
the Denver Broncos. Chris, let's touch on defense real quick before we get to some silver linings and plays of the game. There was some good, there were some good players as well. So let's hit on the defense real quick before we move into that phase of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, overall, the defense was not bad. Again, you know, they weren't good enough on third down, seven of 13. But, you know, the Denver Broncos only had 273 yards, David. You'll take that every game. Now, they they only had 51 plays. That's kind of a, a byproduct of Washington driving the ball well, but then, of course, not punching it in uh, enough, which we talked about on the offensive end. Uh, but, you know, outside of, I would say, that ultimate game-winning drive where they just kind of broke their back with a couple of big plays and then Gordon kind of finished it off, you know, I would say this is, again, about what you're hoping for from this defense. You hold an opponent to 17 points, even a, a one that struggles on offense, 17 points and 273 net yards. You should win these games. And instead, mm-hmm. in back-to-back weeks, the defense has not been great, but they've been much, much, much better than they were, and yet right. still nothing to show for it. Yeah, I mean, still not living up to expectations, you know, and you don't want to pile it all on one guy, right? But Chase Young... No sacks. He did have that forced fumble at the end of the game or towards the end of the game that gave Washington one last chance. So that's, you know, that's always great. You want to see him making those types of plays for his team. So there's going to be some conversations there. I saw during the game, there are still fans asking if he's a bust and, and, and all this other stuff. It's, it's, you're not even full two years in. it's not time to label anybody, anything less than two years into your career. Uh, but Chris, to your point, this is the fifth time, fifth time in eight games, the Washington football team defense has held their opponent to fewer total net yards than the Washington football team offense was able to put up. Um, and we know there's even been moments in this season where the offense has has struggled to do things. But, yeah, it just goes back to what we were talking about with the offense, but on the defense as well. If if you're if you're moving the ball up and down the field, I mean, if you're outgaining your opponent nearly 100 yards, nearly a football field, you should be winning games, not losing them. So defense continuing to step up a little bit. Jonathan Allen looking really good. And that's going to bleed into my play of the game, Chris, which is that Chase Young forced fumble, which was recovered by David Mayo the one that gave the Washington football team just one more opportunity. Again, Mm -hmm. bad sack, bad throws, whatever you want to call it, shooting themselves in the foot. It didn't, it didn't bear any fruit, but the fact of the matter is, even though you didn't have any sacks, even though you only had four tackles, a player that fans are looking to, to make plays for the team made a play in one of the most critical moments, a moment that you don't ever expect something like that to happen. um, Let alone almost twice. Uh, Chase Young came up forced that fumble. David Mayo recovered it, gave them one last breath. Uh, before they ultimately fell to the Broncos in this one. Yeah, and and for my play of the game, I'm going to go back to right before all this goes on when you thought the game really came to an end. Third and six from the Denver seven. And David, you've been calling for more quarterback runs. You've been calling for, and 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 Hodgkins obviously did the same. Fans have been going crazy. Oh, why not use Taylor Henneke? I thought this third and six, Denver seven down seven, a buck 17 left to go was going to be where they were going to call a design quarterback draw. Spread the defense out and boom, hit it from shotgun, Taylor Heineke, up the middle, find a hole, bing, bang, boom. That's where I would have loved to have seen it. Instead, Taylor Heineke holds on, holds on, pats, can't find anybody open, doesn't Mm -hmm. get rid of it, gets blindsided from the left side of the defense, the Denver defense, the right side of the offensive line, uh, as Reed goes around Sadiq Charles. But this one really, in my opinion, was more on Taylor Heineke. Too long with the football 
football. Even if nobody's open, you got to get rid of it. You've got to have an internal clock. They fumbled it in addition to the sack. They lost 13 yards. And on the very next play, fourth and 19, it leads to the interception because he's just trying to make a play and he heaves it up to the front pin corner of the end zone to Cam Sims, but Justin Simmons steps in front of it. And that's what you thought was the end of the game. And somehow still Washington got another chance, but still couldn't punch it in. So that's my uh, play of the game. And real quickly, I'll give you my player of the game. And that's Jared Patterson, the rookie running back. Uh, listen, I'm, I, I thought about going obviously with uh, J.D. McKissick. You could have gone with DeAndre Carter, who scored a beautiful touchdown, had a beautiful catch. But Jared Patterson, 11 rushes for 46 yards. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but in a week where clearly Antonio Gibson, whether by design because of his health or partially because of his fumbling issue, Jared Patterson had his most important role in two runs, David. He had a fourth down conversion in which I thought he had a really nice jump cut um, that bought him the fourth down just by inches earlier in the game and then late had a 13-yard run, his longest of the game, and I thought he had another really, really nice plant your foot in the dirt, boom, cut, accelerate out of it. Mike Shanahan, who still lives in Denver, would have been very, very, very proud, I'm sure, uh, if you were watching the game with Mike because that's the kind of running back he always preferred in that zone scheme, and Jared Patterson hit it. So again, statistically, maybe not a big deal, but 11 for 46 from Jared Patterson, I'm going to take him as my player of the game and sorry for going so long no you're i mean that that might be the most valuable thing that chase young has done this season is turn this franchise on jerry patterson i don't i don't know um my player of the game is gonna be landon collins i've given landon collins a lot of grief a lot of people have given landon collins a lot of grief and even though he's doing it against his will and and doesn't want to be doing it uh look the the, the young man and i'm gonna call him young man because i'm older than he is uh, sure did flex and celebrate a lot, Chris, for a guy playing in a position he doesn't want to be playing. And so he certainly looks like he's having a little bit of fun doing it, or at least. And we talked about it last week, and I even said, he doesn't have to love the idea. He doesn't have to like the idea. He doesn't even have to want to be called a linebacker, whatever. It's really just semantics. But at the end of the day, uh, he led the team in tackles last week. He's second on the team in tackles this week with eight. And he came up with a sack. And he came up with what should be considered a forced fumble earlier before the Chase Young forced fumble. That was actually a fumble. As of right now, it's not. We'll see if the NFL adjusts the stats. But either way, Landon Collins, it's I don't want to call him like a whole new player or whatever, because we've seen, you know, Pro Bowl, all pro caliber play from Landon in his past in the career, not in with Washington, uh, but certainly looks like a better fit, better player where he's playing now. Whether you want to call him a box safety or a linebacker, I don't care if you call him a place kicker. As long as he keeps making plays and doing things and you know. Not a, we kind of talked about a little off air, not a huge fan of the celebrating a play that really doesn't result in anything huge for your team. But hey, if it keeps them going, if it keeps them juiced, uh, to make more plays, by all means, go ahead and do it. So Landon Collins is going to get some praise from me on this one. Uh, despite the loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he deserves it. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to our pal Hogskins for the voicemail. If you want to get in on the voicemail line, we're going to have a very, very limited schedule this week, uh, but we should have some time for the voicemails uh, throughout later on. So get them in early uh, so that we can pick and choose and get as many in as we can. 301-615-3577. 301-615-3577. Or if you prefer, via email, lockwftpod at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for making today's episode of the Locked on Washington football team podcast your first listen of the day. 
Now make your second listen, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, giving you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes, free and available on all platforms. That's going to do it for us, for David Harrison, who's covering the Washington football team on SI.com's Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the flagship station for the Washington football team, the Team 980 and the Odyssey app with Pete Medhurst. We'll be back later this week. Again, a little bit of a different schedule. Hang tight. It's the by two and six. Uh, we will continue to crank out episodes and get you ready for Tampa in two minutes right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.